Welcome to the Battle Cry Podcast with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. You can watch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Convention of States Facebook and Rumble channels. Okay, so here's what we're about to do. This is our schedule. Generally what happens is people who know better than me and are way smarter than me, way more organized than me, they tell me what to do. So I get up there and people think I know what I'm doing. I'm just reading from a list. And then I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna give kind of an introduction of what we're doing here to all these commissioners and donors and folks that are here to witness the simulated convention. And then I get the privilege of introducing Patrick Henry, which is gonna be really cool. It's also really cool because if I don't do a good job, nobody will remember because he's gonna be awesome. So here we go. So I wanna start by just welcoming you and thanking you for coming. A lot of you came from places very far away from here. You traveled across the country to be with us in Colonial Williamsburg. It's an extraordinary place to be. I can't imagine a better setting to hold a simulated convention. And to those of you who traveled, whether you traveled from near or far, we want to express our appreciation. So thank you guys for being here tonight. So the final stats, 104 commissioners from 49 states. Who's missing? Rhode Island. Now, I, got, I just got to tell you, when I realized we couldn't get a commissioner from Rhode Island, of all the places, we did not plan that. You know, in 1787, Rhode Island was missing, of course. Rogue Island, as we've called it all these decades and centuries later. And so when I heard that there wasn't going to be a commissioner from Rhode Island, my first thought was, well, we have to have somebody from Rhode Island because we have to have all 50 states. And then I thought, wait, Rhode Island? I guess it was kind of like God going, bing, ah, oh, yeah, you know what you're doing here. So I say that's providential. Rhode Island's not here. They're going to miss out on an incredible event. I also want to specifically mention uh, we have quite a few commissioners from around the country that have come in from Heritage Foundation. We appreciate you guys being here. We love Heritage, so thanks for joining us for this event. I want to talk a little bit about the goals for the event. You know, when we gather like this, it's not easy for you to come. It's a lot of work to put together here, a lot of staff time put into doing something like this. So we're not, we're not just doing it for the fun of it. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. But we're actually doing something important. What we're trying to do is set the foundation for the actual convention. And I believe at this point in American history, that convention must be held. I believe inevitably it will be held. I don't know exactly when. And you're laying the groundwork for that convention. So what you're doing is you're gathering. You, the best that America has to offer, in my opinion, are gathering here. And you're going to step forward as statesmen and women. And you're going to debate. And you're going to argue. And you're going to propose amendments. And in the end, what the country is going to see is that this is doable. That you know how to do it. That we know how to do it. And that Americans are up to the challenge. So the goal is that you run a perfectly smooth convention. And don't give me any heart attacks. <laughs> It's also, I got to tell you, it's a little nerve-wracking to put on an event like this. For those of you who put on events, usually you put on an event and you kind of know what's going to happen every single minute of every event. You plan everything out and you check the boxes all the way through. Well, this is a little bit different because we put this event together and then when it starts, when that gavel falls, when you're all gathered in that room, we just step back and we're hands off. And so that's a little bit different and a little bit more stressful than most events that we could have. So you guys try and make it easy on us, okay? I want to talk to you a little bit about this whole process and, and I think where it falls in American history. 
You know, when you look back at the 1787 convention, if, if you're a historian, whether you're a professional historian or an amateur historian, and you study 1787 and you read about that event, you can't understand that event without putting it in context. And a lot of us who love and admire the Constitution and the founding period and the framing period, one of the things we talk about is being originalists. And part of being an originalist, we talk about the word textualism. And I like to talk about being a contextualist, right? And meaning that when we look at a text of anything or when we look at historical events, we have to look at them in context of a period of time. Anytime you look at an event in history, if you look at the 1787 convention, you can't understand that convention unless you say, well, how did they get there? Who were those people? What, they, what were they thinking? What were the things that motivated and moved them to call that convention, to send commissioners, delegations to that convention, and then to stick it out? 1787 wasn't easy. That convention almost fell apart multiple times, and yet they pulled it off and gave us the greatest constitution, the greatest founding documents in the history of the world. So you want to look at that in context, and I always want to look back before. And so if you look back before the 1787 convention, you're going to look back and what you're going to see the pivotal event before that 1787 convention is the Annapolis Convention in September of 1786. And a lot of people don't talk about that convention, but I think it's critically important because it sets the framework, the groundwork for the 1787 convention. I think you could go so far as to say that without the 1786 Annapolis convention and the difficulties that they experienced and the limitations that they had that they, by the way, refused to exceed those limitations, those, for that framework, that fence that was put around them, and without that, I don't know that we get the 1787 convention. So in 1786, they gather, and they gather in Annapolis, Maryland, and the goal is primarily to deal with commercial issues. Five states attend, so not all the states attend, and they realize, one, they don't have enough people there, enough states represented to actually do something substantive, and two, they realize our problems are a lot bigger than commercial matters. We have problems with the way the entire country is being governed right now. We have problems, broader problems with the structure of our government, the Articles of Confederation. And so Alexander Hamilton actually writes a recommendation that the states gather in a broader convention. Of course, Virginia is the first state to call that convention. Ultimately, multiple states call the convention. We have uh, delegations, commissioners that are commissioned by their states, seven of them before Congress ever weighs in. And ultimately, we know the story in 1787, they gather and they begin work on our actual, the Constitution we now live under. Again, no 1787 without 1786 and that Annapolis Convention. So as you gather here today, as you stand in this room and you think about what you're doing right now, what I hope that you will do is to absorb, to internalize what I believe is your place in history. And it's extraordinary place in history because you sit between us and the actual first Article 5 Convention of States in American history. And I won't say that a convention of states will be a silver bullet. I don't believe there's such a thing as a silver bullet in the American system of politics. But I do believe that this is the way to save the country right now. And I've been working on this for 10 years. Our, many on our staff have been around most of that time. Some of you have been involved in the Article 5 movement longer than I have. And so we come to this moment in American history where the country is really severely divided. Maybe, certainly for me in my lifetime, I'm 61 years old, as bad as I've ever seen it be. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the remedy to the division in the country right now? 
and people say, you know, we have to win elections, and I would say, yes, we have to win elections. It's important that we elect the best people we can, not only federally, but I think at least as important in our state legislatures. But I don't think that solves the things that divide us. I don't think it solves for the real problem. In my opinion, one of the greatest problems facing the United States of America right now is Washington, D.C. Anybody disagree with that? You're going to be asked to leave if you do, so. So one of the reasons D.C. is such a big problem, the fundamental reason D.C. is such a big problem, we could claim it's budgets or term limits or whatever else you want to say, but the real fundamental problem with D.C. is that it's in our business, it's in our lives, it's in everything we do in a way that the framers never intended. They gave limited enumerated powers to the federal government and the rest was reserved to the people and the states. And today, it seems that power pyramid is flipped. Most of the power is in Washington, D.C. There's a limited amount of power in the states and even that, sometimes they're too afraid to exercise. And we, the people, have been stripped of much of our power, our rightful power, our God-given power. So what do we do about that? And the answer is we, the people, as the document says, we rise up and we take our power back. And the mechanism that the framers gave us to do that is Article 5 of the United States Constitution. And we have to remember how that got into the document in history. September 15, 1787. September 15th, by the way, the most important day in American history, by my estimation. My wife Patty's sitting back there. That's her birthday, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> so I have to remember that. September 15, 1787 is actually the day that Colonel George Mason stands and he addresses the convention and he says, and I'm paraphrasing, we have a terrible problem with the document that we've drafted. We've given the power to Congress to propose amendments should they deem them necessary, but we've not given the same power to the people acting through the states. And he asks a question. Are we so naive that we believe that a federal government that becomes a tyranny would ever propose amendments to restrain its own tyranny? Amendments of the rightful kind, he says. We don't have video. I wish we had video of that convention. I think they laughed, actually. I think it was a forehead slap moment. I think they all thought, yeah, of course, there's no way. No tyranny ever restrains itself. We do have Madison's notes, and they're pretty accurate, and they're pretty thorough. And at that point in his notes, Madison says two Latin abbreviations. Nin com. No comment. There's no debate. There's no argument. There's no discussion. And in fact, then there is a proposal forwarded by Eldridge Gary, and it's a proposal for the second clause of Article 5 under which we're operating here as we practice this simulated convention. And there's still no debate. And that article, that second clause of Article 5 gets voted on is unanimously adopted into the United States Constitution. I'm not aware of anything else in the Constitution that was not debated and was unanimously adopted. And so we're here now as their legacy. I think the only question they would ask us as we go into that room tomorrow, as you go in and begin your deliberations is, how come not sooner? Why haven't you done this before? So your place in history is paving the way, much like the commissioners to that convention in 1786 in Annapolis, Maryland. You hold that spot, and when people look back post the first ever convention of states in the United States of America, when people look back, they will look to you, and they will thank you, because I believe we are going to save the United States of America, and you are playing a pivotal role in doing so. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Visit conventionofstates.com pod to learn more. Thank you for listening.